This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to some sort of the Clear Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we've been promising it. The offensive coordinator candidate series, our first one of the series. Greg Olson, the former Raiders offensive coordinator, a popular choice among Jets fans to be the next Jets offensive coordinator. I feel like a large contingent of that hinges on the Jets getting Derek Carr, but regardless, he has turned into a popular name in the search. And as promised, we decided to bring in somebody who knows a hell of a lot more about these candidates than we do at this point. And that is why we were joined by Marcus Johnson, who is a contributor for at the silver and black, which is the SB nation um, website that covers the Raiders and tape. Don't lie. Marcus. How's it going, man? Doing good, man. How you guys doing? I appreciate you guys having me on. We're doing great. Uh, I think, as I mentioned, Greg Olson is a very popular candidate and uh, Jets fans are very thirsty for good quarterback play which is why I think Olsen is in the bunch maybe they're thinking that that might attract a Derek Carr I know there's some fans who are anti bringing in a guy like Derek Carr but uh, I I think the the possibility of pairing uh, Derek Carr with an offensive coordinator he has experience with is intriguing Um, so with that said let's just hop right into it Marcus uh, Greg Olson took over the he was the offensive coordinator under John Gruden but when John Gruden got fired in 2021 it seems like he took over a larger part in the offense how would you describe how the offense kind of shifted in 2021 when Greg Olson took over um sole uh running of the offense I think the way that it really shifted it became more of a pass first offense like they're you know uh passing on first down a lot more a lot more play action on first down I think that was the main shift that you saw from John Gruden over to Greg Olson John Gruden was more like you know a little bit he had some newer elements into his offense from having Greg Olson around and Greg Olson being in the league so much longer than uh you know John Gruden when he left to Tampa the league changed a lot and when he went back to Oakland he brought in Greg Olson to kind of update his offense a little bit so he can have a more updated um spread west coast offense with like rpos and stuff like that so he got a lot of that from greg and what greg was running in jacksonville right so what happened when greg olsen took over he became more of a uh, throwing on first down a lot more wide receiver screens trying to manufacture yards through the air um a, a lot of more of that than you know focusing on the run game what's one thing greg olsen you know does he's more of a pass first guy than a run first guy so um you know that, that's more of you know putting up points and that's kind of what you want to see in today's nfl is more of a pass first on first down of course you want to mix in the running game and have a good run game 100 but like uh passing on first down play action on first down a lot of things that's what greg olsen kind of brings 
and he has that more of mentality of uh, attacking downfield too as well. And also, you know, um, you know, Henry Ruggs ended up doing really something stupid, but when Henry Ruggs was playing, he def- he definitely maximized him. He maximizes the X receiver too. That's one thing Greg Olson does. So for somebody like Garrett Wilson, he would find ways to get him the ball, isolate him. Does a really good job of that. He finds definitely a lot of ways to isolate an X receiver. Allen Robinson had his biggest season with Greg Olson as an OC. So um, he does a really good job at that too. Yeah. And looking more at the passing game specifically, I mean, you mentioned a few things that he likes to do, but what would you say are some of his overall priorities for the passing games, things he emphasizes accomplishing through the air and just some of his go-to concepts through the air as well. Uh, a couple of a go-to concepts. He likes to do a three by one, right? So he loves, loves three by ones. He loves doing stacks with a three by one. And that's what I'm talking about isolating that X receiver or whoever that dog is. He likes to isolate those guys and the isolation well, you'll see a lot of different routes. You'll see some slants. You'll see some fades. You'll see some, you know, sluggos. You'll see a lot of different routes when he isolates that X receiver and tries to isolate coverage that way. Um, so that's what you got a lot of see from a lot of his passing game. But most of it's usual West Coast stuff. You're going to see the, the choice routes there, right? See a lot of the choice routes, right? Um, you're going to see, you know, uh, you know, a lot of RPOs too. He does a lot of RPOs as well. A lot of RPOs, RPO wide receiver screens, things like that. So his passing game maximizes the X, but you're going to see a lot of the West coast elements mixed in with some college elements that Greg Olson likes to do. Um, so, so, I mean, that's something that he likes to do when he, you know, he's passing the football and, um, you know, another thing that, you know, you might not see as well as targeting tight ends. I would say that in the passing game, he doesn't target tight ends as much. He did mix it in with Darren Waller, but, you know, you can line up Darren Waller wherever you want. Uh, you can go back to 2018 with Jared Cook. They did a pretty good job of doing that, mixing it up and lining up Jared Cook, isolating him one-on-one with a tight end. So, yeah, if the tight end is the best wide receiver, he does that. But it's, it's more about him maximizing one guy. He does like to focus on one wide receiver and getting that guy the ball a lot. And if he comes over there, it's probably be Garrett Wilson. And yeah, he'd, he'd right. love that. Cause that's definitely what he was missing when Henry Ruggs went, went away. Right. Their Raiders were missing that last year. Kind of the X guy that kind of fits his offense. And he was a little lost a little bit, I would say, but um, if he has that X or that wide receiver outside, he's, he's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to think about, you know, hearing you describe that I'm just picturing Garrett Wilson and this offense getting fed the ball because I, I mean, he got a lot of targets as a rookie, but there, it still felt like there was more on the table looking at some of his route running. So it's fun to think about that. But uh, looking at the other aspect of the offense, the run game, uh, you mentioned he's more of a pass first guy. But when it does come to putting the ball on the ground, how would you describe his run scheme and some of the, of the things that he likes to do in the ground game? Yeah, last year, I mean, it's a lot of wide zone, inside zone. So, I mean, I would expect that coming from, you know, uh, just where he comes from, from, you know, coming from the Tampa Bay, uh, working with John Gruden in Tampa Bay, um, now having that kind of West Coast feel. I mean, there's a lot of wide zone, inside zone. So, basically, mostly zone. You won't see a lot of power. Rare that you'll see some power. If you do, it'll be like a counter or something like that. So, it's mostly the outside zone, wide zone game, um, which you know, I think that, you know, the Jets are, I mean, Brees Hall is something he really ran in college, and that's something he's very familiar with. So, so uh, I could see him coming in there and trying to implement that that run scheme because that that is his main run scheme because you know he went right back to the Rams and that's what the Rams love to do you know they love that wide zone that's kind of how they they set up their whole offense so that's kind of the run scheme you'll see but you know he's just he's just not uh, uh, 
yeah, he's just not a run first guy. It frustrated a lot of Ra- Raiders fans that he didn't like to run the ball that much. And, and you know, you, you won't see him like just feeding somebody. He's going to try to maximize, do some screens. He's, he's a big wide receiver screen guy. He actually you know, uh, uh, kind of invented the wide receiver screen in Purdue uh, as, as the, uh, the OC over there, uh, him, I forgot who the head coach was when they were at Drew, Drew Brees over there. So, um, yeah, so he's a big wide receiver screen guy. So he likes to manufacture uh, through, the, through the air more than running the football. So, um, but with, when he does run the football, it's wide zone, inside zone. How, how would you how would you describe the success with those receiver screens? Because I think I've, I've heard for about a decade Jets fans complaining about bubble screens. <laughs> Whether it was Adam Gase or Marty Morningweg or whoever, it seems like the bubble screen is enemy number one. Yeah, it depends on the team they're playing, right? And, and I think eventually people know that Greg Olson likes to run screens, man. It's right. just, it's, he's been doing it for so long. And uh, and like I said, he's been doing it for over 20 years. He's one of the innovators in wide receiver screens. He has a lot of them. There's okay, different cool. modes <laughs> of them, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. He's very creative with it. He'll, he'll, you know, he'll uh, do a lot of swing routes with uh, running backs. Like, he'll, he'll get the running back in space on some of the screens. Um, you know, he's just a lot like, uh, he'll do like some, like a throwback this way and come back and throw a screen on the opposite side. It's he's very, he maxes, you know, he has a different variety of them because he's, he's, you know, it's one of his part of his offense is those wide receiver screens. But, you know, it, you know, it's going to happen. And sometimes it might frustrate you. You know, I know fan, no fan really, no offensive fan loves a wide receiver screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so exactly. <laughs> it has to work. And then we like it. But yeah, he has a lot of variety with it, right? It's just not just the same old wide receiver screen over and over and over again. But yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see some. And, but it's going to maximize it. You're going to see like a, uh, wide receiver, uh, sorry, running back, do it. You might see a wide receiver do it. You might see him come out with two running backs and do a different screen with a different with a different running back, like Michael Carter or something like that. So you'll mix it up. But uh, yeah, you're see some wide receiver screens for sure. So obviously, we mentioned Derek Carr. That's I, I think the big draw and the reason that his name has popped up a lot in terms of why the Jets might hire him as OC. How did you feel Carr fit the system? I mean, it, it seems like they were a good fit. Do you think it, it brought out the best in Derek Carr? I would say so. I think they brought out the best in Derek Carr. And um, one thing about Greg Olson, even if, you know, you don't say he's the greatest OC in the world, and he's a great quarterback coach. So he's just great for quarterbacks. He's just has great drills. You know, you check out some of uh, John Gruden's clinic. It's uh, online. You type in John Gruden clinic on uh, YouTube. I think you'll find it. But uh, he talks a lot of the drills that Greg Olson did. He did a lot of great work with Jared Goff. Um, and, you know, did a lot of great work with Baker Mayfield this year, too. You know, kind of had got him a little bit better and kind of raised his, you know, uh, the what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of his reputation a little bit. Yeah. You know, reputation went down. They raised it a little bit. And that's a little bit of Greg Olson. Greg Olson does that with quarterbacks. And I think that's uh, even, you know, if you have Zach Wilson still there, I think he can work with Zach Wilson and actually get some better play out of him a little bit with how he drills pocket presence and things like that. Because Derek Carr never really had good pocket presence until Greg Olson got there. And it improved a little bit. I mean, it never was great, but you saw some improvement in because the, they, they drill things. And, you know, Derek Carr plays on his toes a little bit. He got Derek Carr on his flat and his feet and things like that. And, you know, saw, saw Derek Carr be more accurate. And so he does that with a lot of quarterbacks. So, I mean, that's why he kind of got Derek Carr to play to the best of his potential and with Gruden too. And Gruden's a great quarterback coach as well. But Olsen, that's what he does the best is I think he comes in there and he can work with the quarterback. He'll build a system around the quarterback. He's not going to try to like if the guy runs, he did really well with Terrell Pryor back in the day. He had Terrell Pryor, got Terrell Pryor looking like a quarterback a little bit. You know, it's it, he does really that's, well. I forgot about that. That's true. He was. <laughs> yeah. He had that like so, 90 yard TD run. 
Yeah, yeah. So he had him looking like a quarterback a little bit. So uh, he does really well uh, with that. So even with Zach Wilson, I mean, if he came in there, I think he would help Zach Wilson a little bit too. You see probably a better player if Zach embraced it. If he went into it and right. like, I'm going to do these drills and I'm going to drill it. Yeah, it, it helps, man. You could look at Jared Goff. Jared Goff year one was awful. And then Greg Olson came in there year two and they went to playoffs. So, My, um, I, Michael, I have a quick question for you. Um, because Marcus, you bring up the variety of quarterback drills that Greg Olson has implemented. Michael, have we seen uh, under Michael Floor and Rob Calabrese a single quarterback drill that isn't uh, a Jets quarterback just shuffling over the orange cinder block back and forth? Yeah. You know what I'm talking I, about? I mean, we don't, it's not like we get to watch the whole practice, but when they do put videos out, I feel like that is the only thing that I've seen. It's that little so. roadblock. They just go back and forth and yeah. that's it. That's the only yeah. drill. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Olson has a crazy drills. He does this one drill, like he'll put you in the pocket and he'll have a bunch of guys put pads in their backs and they just collapse around you. Oh, wow. You okay. Yeah. We, we have not football. seen that. We have not seen that. We need that. Zach Wilson yeah. badly needs that. <laughs> exactly. Right. And yeah. <laughs> you can see what yeah. they did for Derek Carr and Jared Goff, man, that those type of drills. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he has some crazy quarterback drills, to be honest. And he can drill pocket presence and, you know, ha have you playing better at a higher level than you actually will. I mean, Blake Bortles threw 35 touchdowns with Griggles. It's that is nuts. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <I> mean, <crazy. laughs> right. So there, there's something there with Greg with 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 young quarterbacks. And I think that's kind of the, the benefit of him if he becomes your OC, um, even if you get a little tired of some of the wide receiver screens he throws. So. <laughs> Yeah, and that's great to hear, and it's a good long-term thing for an OC to have because, you know, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether they draft someone else, whoever it may be, just to have that quarterback coaching expertise is always going to be helpful because the quarterback position is always number one. But um, mm -hmm. looking at his scheme and how it relates to the quarterback position, like you said, it seemed like he did a great job of getting the most out of Derek Carr. Would you say that Carr is kind of the ideal quarterback for his scheme, or how would you kind of picture – the perfect quarterback to run some of the things that he likes to run. I think Derek Carr is a, uh, he's a good fit for this scheme. I wouldn't say he's a perfect fit. I would say the perfect fit for this scheme is probably uh, a guy that, you know, can make plays outside of his legs a little bit more. I, I think, you know, with the West coast, it, it kind of benefits that. And Greg Olson, he drills that too. He drills scramble drills. So, you know, if you go watch hard knocks 2019 with the Raiders, you'll see, John Gruden chasing Derek Carr around in circles, right? And they drill those things. And I think a quarterback that can move and make some plays with his legs, I think that will help kind of if you, you know, you kind of get into sometimes Greg Olson, he, he has some concepts that he likes that I don't like, right? And I think a, a mobile quarterback can kind of maybe make up for that sometimes. And I think the West Coast offense fits a mobile quarterback. You know, you see Patrick Mahomes in the West Coast. You even see some other guys that run the West Coast offense that, you know, get out of the pocket and can make some plays. Now, I, I think you need a quarterback like that a little bit, um, but uh, he, he's going to fix the pocket presence, things like that. But if you can, you know, and the play is not there, right, the pocket presence comes out, comes with getting out of the pocket and making a play, too. And I think that's kind of the ideal quarterback, in my opinion, because, you know, to me, everybody runs the West Coast offense. So you get to like week nine. Everybody knows West Coast plays by the time that they line up and you got to have the play caller and you got to have a quarterback that can make plays in the second half of the season. So um, that, that's, that's kind of, say, the ideal fit. But Derek Carr is a great fit in the offense because it's a short passing offense at the end of the day. And that's what he he's awesome there. Um, not really a lot of intermediate passes like he had to do this year. Um, you know, intermediate is not his thing. You know, throwing outside the numbers a lot is not his thing. And we saw his completion percentage take a nosedive because of that. So 
if he goes back to the West Coast, I think his completion percentage will go back up to where it was before, and he'll be able to make some plays just knowing Greg Olson's offense just already. So you alluded to some of the concepts you, you didn't like. And I have to say, Mark, because up until this point, maybe you should be Greg Olson's agent because he sounds like a home run <laughs> hire. We haven't heard too much about the weaknesses. Uh, yeah. What are some of those concepts you, you don't like? And then what are some of the other weaknesses you would say um, from, from your time watching and studying Greg Olson? Yeah, because, I mean, we can get into him as the play caller. The play caller, I think he's uh, – I'll be honest with you guys. I think he's a little bit average as a play caller because um, he's so up and down. One game, he'd be like, wow, that's a great game plan. And then the next game, you're like, what are you doing? And that's why I felt in the playoffs. The playoffs, was, I, was ready, I was ready to get rid of him. So, um, I mean, he just ran – I don't know if you guys heard the play Hank. I don't know. It's Hank is curl flats. If you're not okay. familiar with that, you know, it's, a, it's an old school 1980s Bill Walsh West Coast play. He likes to run Hank a little too much for me against cover two teams. And I, it's, it's, just a, it's just a play that just has no explosiveness to it. It's, just, it's curl flats on both sides, you know, and it's just just no – it just doesn't work. And then he just kind of drilled that. That's the play he called for the last play of the game. Yeah, I was going to say because I, I watched that, I think, yesterday. I saw a lot of people were talking about it, like blaming Carr for it, and I was like, that's the exact play they ran. It's just curls and flats on both sides. Yeah, and they ran that three times in that drive. So just imagine, you know, uh, <laughs> the linebacker there. He's like, oh, tank. He just let me sit here. <laughs> yeah, this is the curls coming. Yeah, it sounds so, like me playing Madden. <laughs> exactly. Just keep running the same play. It's not perfect. Exactly. It. And he, he loves to run that against cover two teams, right? So you play like a Bills or something like that. He's going to be drilling Hank. And then I get it. That's like an old school cover two beater. But it, it, it gets a little redundant that way. And like I said, the screens can get frustrating if you're playing like a fast team. Like if you go against a fast defense that's ready to get a tackle and you're running those screens, man, it's not going to work. Right. Um, you know, it's, you know, like I said, playing the Bills, you know, the, you know, they're a sound tackling team. Right. That's not going to work. Those screens aren't going to work. So you have to. Um, that's what I would say about him. It's just he's so up and down as a play caller consistently. And like, let's say Garrett Wilson went down. Yeah, he would be he would be lost. If Garrett Wilson went down, so that's kind of my thing. Because Henry Ruggs went down, he it took him a while to figure out how to get this offense going without that X right receiver that he needs that he can set up for everything that he likes to do. So um, that's what I would say is the downfall with him, in my opinion. So because to be honest, he's way better of a quarterback coach. If you really, really, really wanted to hire him and hire him as a quarterback coach, because then your, your quarterbacks would just play a whole lot better right away. It's just as a play caller, game to game, it gets super average. So it's that's that's kind of the thing. He's gonna you're gonna be wow, that's an awesome game plan. And the next game you're like, what are you doing? That's ugly. Why would you even set that up and start that thought process of this playing? And then of course you're going to be like, okay, we're up. Why aren't you running the ball sometimes? Cause like I said, he doesn't like to run the ball. And you know, sometimes you want to run the ball, especially if like it's cold or something like that. He's not going to care. He's going to keep passing. Some people like that. Some people don't. And you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. So it, it those are some of the frustrating things I would say. So, yeah. Well, we, we just mentioned the, uh, the end of that wild card round, and I had a question in here specifically about that. Uh, yeah. Situational play calling, and not just you know in clutch situations. I know I saw that stat that Derek Carr is, uh, I think he was number one in, in uh, comebacks or, or something along those lines. He's a clutch quarterback or whatnot. Yeah. But under Greg Olson, the situational play calling, not just in those clutch situations, but in those third and shorts, those, yeah, I mean, those gotta-have-it situations. How would you – yeah, red zone. How would you describe him as a situational play caller? Yeah, a situational play caller. Uh, you know, to be honest, I, I don't, I don't, I really didn't 
like him as a situational play, Carla. Because um, like I was talking about the end of the game, man, you keep calling those curl flats, man. I mean, this is the pro, this is the NFL. Keep calling curl flat, man. We're, we're, we're not going to be fooled uh, eventually, right? And, uh, you know, it kind of drilled those plays a lot. You know, even the Colts game, you know, when, when they went to the Colts last year in, in uh, 2021 and they went and beat the Colts when they weren't supposed to. I mean, a lot of that was just Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr was making plays late in that game. That was not really Greg Olson, you know, because the play that they called to Hunter Renfro, that big play that Hunter Renfro made that sliding catch, you know, Renfro's not even open, right, at, yeah. originally. And Derek Carr dodged somebody and made a play, right? So, and that's what I was talking about. Sometimes you need that quarterback that can make plays with him a little bit um, because he can get a little redundant in situational football. Okay. So, I mean, and, you know, last year on third down, he wasn't really good either. Third down, they really struggled. They were really good with John Gruden in third down as a play caller, but with Greg Olson as a play caller, they were not good on third down. So, but those are a couple of things like situationally. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not the best coordinator there either. That's why I was talking about him being average because there's like some gr- things he does really well and some things he just is, does not do well at all. And you can see with his track record why he hasn't been an OC that much over time because of those things. But it, it, that's what I was talking about. You got to – is it all quarterback thought process with him or do you want an actual great play caller too? So that's kind of my thing with him. Yeah, and I think another big – point that we'll be looking at with the new Jets OC is how well they mold the scheme to their players because it felt like with Mike LaFleur there wasn't enough of that and they did their best to try to build the roster to fit what they were going to try to do with LaFleur bringing over the scheme from San Francisco Um, but as it went on it didn't really feel like LaFleur was doing the best at kind of molding the play calls to get the most out of who he had so how well do you think Olsen did that with the Raiders? Uh, I think he did that really well. Uh, that, that was something he did well. I think he does mold, um, you know, the offense around, the players around them. Uh, like he got the most out of Hunter Renfro. Um, you know, he kind of let Hunter Renfro loose. Hunter Renfro ran routes a little more tighter this year with Josh McDaniels than he did last year. Last year, he's more freedom. He's just, you know, we saw all the routes he ran last year, right? And even he was able to kind of isolate him in the red zone when they were struggling in the red zone. He Hunter Renfro had nine red zone touchdowns last year. And that was because Greg Olson stepped in and started to find ways to use him in the red zone a little better. So um, I, I, that's one thing that he does do. He does maximize the players around them. Like, you know, he's, he's not going to put somebody in a position where they aren't going to be successful. He's always going to find the best way to maximize the players. Th- that's probably one of his positives is him, you know, kind of, you know, finding ways to, to, to get players to football that need to get the football, getting players that, you know, as a slot guy, he's not going to be playing outside that much. If he's a short, uh, like a, a choice route guy who runs a lot of good choice routes, that's what he's going to do. If they're a deep threat, they're going to run deep routes. You know, it's, it's not really, I'm going to, you know, put you into my offense and you have to fit it. I'm going to take my West Coast offense and I'm going to build it around the players are there. So that is one good thing that he does do. He kind of, builds the scheme around the players and not the scheme, uh, not the putting the players inside the scheme. Well, so then maybe this question's a, a bit redundant based off that answer, but is, is there any types of players that you think um, he would want for his scheme? I mean, it's one thing if to say you can build an offense around the players you already have, but you know, maybe an offensive play caller has some preferences, maybe on the offensive line or receivers, or I don't know, or you think he's just fully uh, fluid and can uh, just mold it around the players. Uh, I, I think he's pretty fluid, to be honest. And you know, even I mean, you guys, the players the Jets have. I mean, Elijah Moore 
and Garrett Wilson, I think is enough for him. I think he can right. use Ledgemore, you know, inside, you know, run those, a lot of those choice routes and things like that. And then he can mix it up with Garrett Wilson. He's running those choice routes. So I think what the, what he would probably do is he's, you know, probably have Garrett and Elijah kind of be the main targets around that offense. And then, you know, everybody else would kind of fit in, you know, get in where you fit in. But, you know, he'd have like Elijah run a choice route on one route and then maybe isolate, you know, um, Garrett Wilson on the opposite side and then kind of mix it up both those guys. That's what I would see him doing. Um, but, you know, the Jets have some good pieces there that I don't know if he'd have to go find uh, players. Because to be honest, he's he is a totally different OC when he has that X. When he has that Allen Robinson type of guy, has that guy that could play outside, also can move around. That's when he really is a really good uh, office coordinator. It's just when he loses that guy, he just really doesn't have any plan after that. And that's kind of the, the big thing with, with him. So um, I, I think the players that are there are fine. I don't think he's got to go try to find guys for his scheme. It's not going to be like um, some different coaches that need certain players. Um, but I think the players there kind of already fit anyways. Yeah, that's definitely different than I think what we've heard since the Jets brought their new staff in. I think as soon it's different, as it's different than every offensive coordinator they've yeah. had since I've been watching them. I think. Yeah, as soon as you know, Salah Lafleur came in, we were just looking at the free agents. Who's on the Niners? We want Usechek. <laughs> we want Mostert. We want all the Niners players in our team, and they got yeah. some of them. But um, that definitely Lakin. seems a lot different. Lakin Tomlinson, who does not need to be discussed. Um, <laughs> but hearing your last two answers made me very excited. There's one guy I'm thinking about. And that's Elijah Moore. He's definitely someone who did not really find a role in this offense. I mean, he was winning his routes. He eventually moved into the slot and got open, but the Jets just could not get him the ball as much as they should have been relative to his talent. And But uh, it seems like with Greg Olson, Elijah Moore will find that fit. Um, so looking at this offense as a whole, if you were to give you know the average Jets fan sort of an example to look at, another offense, another team, or another coach, around the league that kind of is a close resemblance to what he likes to do. Um, what, who would you point to which team or which coach as a, a close match to what kind of represents what he does? I would say Sean McVay. Sean McVay is definitely. Sounds good to me. To yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's what he likes to do. He's just basically, he's a, he's a poor man. So he's, it's not, you're not going to get the, the Sean McVay play calling as much. Right. But I mean, he comes from that tree, man. He comes from, you know, the, the Gruden, the, the Sean McVay he worked with all those guys. I mean, they're, they're kind of, you know, in the same build, you know, it's kind of the same thought process. You're going to see the condensed formations, right? He used to get, you know, so he lined up Renfro outside a lot more, but Renfro really wasn't outside. So he would put Renfro inside the numbers, isolate him. Right. And that's something that Sean McVay does with Cooper cup. The, the Cooper cup is still kind of a slot guy. Right. But he, you'll isolate him inside the slot and, so he can still work inside, but it's technically not inside. And that's, I think that's a lot of things that Greg Olson does too. He'll, he'll condense things. So like somebody like Elijah Moore, he'll condense it for him. So he is playing inside still, but it's still one-on-one -on -one isolated. So he does a lot of things like that, that, you know, that, um, that Sean McVay likes to do is just a little, he's just more pass happy. I'll just say that Sean McVay is definitely likes to run the ball. Definitely, you know, kind of likes to get the run game going. And I think Greg Olson's just a little bit more pass happy than him. Uh, right. But uh, you, this is, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's kind of 
it's so up and down with him. It's inconsistent. So, I mean, he, he, yeah, one week it will frustrate you. You'd be like, man, what the hell is he doing? Then one week you're like, man, that's going to be, that's awesome game plan. So it's, <laughs> that's really, that's really what it is. Sounds, sounds a lot like Michael Floor. Honestly. It, does, it does. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's because sometimes with the, if the guy's not a good, the greatest play car with the West Coast, it's so, like, it's not that different from West Coast to West Coast offense. Right. That if the, you know, teams have seen it, they know certain schemes, and if the guy's not a great play caller, then sometimes it can kind of get redundant at the end of the year. But, yeah. When offenses aren't having success, I feel like one of the top things I, I hear from fans is, where's the creativity? And maybe that's just a, you know, a straw man argument or something like that. Because sometimes, I mean, the creative trick plays don't work out. I mean, the Jets have seen plenty of those plays fall flat on their face. Would you describe uh, Olsen as a creative play caller? Not Maybe, you know, I guess just the trick plays, but you know, in terms of, I guess there are other ways to be creative that aren't just razzle dazzle uh, or, I mean, based off your answer earlier about Hank and the curl flat concepts, I can probably <laughs> predict where this is going. Or do you think he's more of a vanilla play caller? It, like I said, it depends on the coverage he's playing really, to right. be honest. Like if he's playing like a, let's say he's playing like a, a man match cover 17, he does really well be honest i think he attacks those coverages really well but like cover two teams that teams that kind of just play quarters cover two he doesn't do really well right because mm-hmm. then he gets kind of it, it since that's such like a how do i say it's kind of like a, a vanilla coverage itself he yeah. gets vanilla right with yeah. like man match it's not vanilla it's everything's moving around there's a lot of guys you know so he has to be more creative but when you're playing a vanilla coverage like the chiefs last year they didn't even play like what they usually do. They just went straight cover two against him and he struggled. Right. And then the same thing with the Bengals. They didn't even try to mix it up that too much with him on the second half. They just went straight cover two and he struggled a little bit. So he struggles against vanilla looks like it's, which is weird to say, right? You figure some coaches, if they face the vanilla looks, they just start tearing them up with the more complex looks where he has to like, it forces his mind to be creative. He's better, but like, you know, that's how teams can beat him is they can just get vanilla on him. And then he's going to call the the basic vanilla looks to beat him. Like I play cover two, I'm going to call smash and put a corner out. We're trying to beat the honey hole. Like it's just, and somebody just drops back. Oh, picks it off. You know, it's just right. it's things like that, that um, he can get vanilla against kind of just basic looks. So he would struggle in practice against the Jets because they play a lot of uh, shell looks. He would struggle against the Bills, but I think he would do well against the Pats and Dolphins. Yeah, that's what I'm are... thinking those Pats games. Maybe we could at least pick up a Pats win for once. Yeah, we, yeah, we could split the series finally. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's what it is, man. Man to man, those man match things. He does really well, man. Like this, the Chargers game last year. I mean, Derek Carr missed a lot of wide open guys. He had some wide open guys against that cover seven. Those split the Don't don't guys. say that. He's our only hope. Please, <laughs> we can't we can't have the Derek Carr negativity right now. <laughs> but it's true though. He did. Oh. They won the game though. They won the game. All right, they won all right. The game. that's that's a difference. We'll <laughs> take that. All right, all right. We'll take that. It just should, yeah. probably should have been like 49 to 32. The game should have been close at all. The fact that they score more than 17 points would already be a, a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Already an upgrade for us. But um, <laughs> at this point, you've shared with us quite a few strengths, positives with Olsen, quite a few weaknesses as well. If you had to sum it all up, you know, in a nice package, some of the biggest pluses that he brings to the table, some of the biggest minuses how would you sum up his overall strengths and weaknesses i think he'll maximize the players right so like the young players that are there he'll maximize those guys you're gonna get the best out of them you'll probably see a really good year from gary wilson if he came in there um yeah that would be the big one because that's like his 
uh, X Y receiver, the Cooper Cup, the main guy. Man, you're gonna eat with that type of guy, right? That's kind of the you'll you'll see those guys gotta take a step. You might even see you know Zach Wilson take a little bit of a step too, or you know battle. Derek Carr or something like that. If he did come over, if it ended up being Carr, you might see Zach Wilson get better, you know, and, you know, D- Derek Carr got hurt or something like that, or, you know, you know, or did it end up didn't playing well? And you had to play Zach. Zach might play better than you think. Right. Um, so that's kind of the the main thing. But of course, the weakness is, is that he can get just stuck in some some concepts and the wide receiver screens are going to frustrate you because you're going to be like, why are we running screen so much sometimes? And it's going <laughs> to get certain looks and certain coverages. He's going to try to screen you to death instead of running the football. So uh, I would say those are a couple of things. I would sum them up. So it's wide receiver screens, a little bit redundant, but you're going to get the best out of your, some of your players. So, And quickly before you wrap it up, Ben, like I, I just want to say like hearing you describe him, I can't help but think this is a, would be a positive thing for Zach Wilson. Some of the things you said, I mean, the way a uh, creative mobile quarterback who can create on his own could thrive in that scheme and just hearing, you know, some of his quarterback coaching successes, especially golf. I mean, that was a big one because he had just as bad of a rookie year as you could compare to what Zach Wilson has done. And then he quickly broke out with Greg Olson. So hearing all that, it does seem like he would be a positive hire for Zach Wilson. And it seems like the Jets do want to you know get out as much of him as they can still believe in him so i think when they interview olsen they really might find that um if zach wilson is really still in their mind that he's mm-hmm. a good hire for him yeah yeah that's the big thing is zach wilson still in their mind i mean right yeah well we'll see i mean i think he's definitely he's going to be on the team but they're not going to pencil him in as a starter he might not even be qb2 next year i mean it might be developmental qb3 it depends what, what route they go i think if they bring in Carr. Uh, that's a conversation for a different podcast. Marcus, I, you know what? We're going to do the Derek Carr pod, so we might have to bring you back on here to talk all things Derek Carr. But last thing on, on Greg Olson. Okay. In your opinion, your expert opinion, if the Jets hire him, do you think it's a good move? Would you say this is a good hire for the Jets? Would you say this is a, a mid-hire they could have done better? Because I will say, you look at some of the candidates that they're considering. Mm-hmm. For, for another team, maybe you would say Greg Olson, all right, average offensive coordinator, but – you look at what the Jets are looking for. Primarily, it seems like they want somebody with experience. And then you look at that candidate pool to who you know who's going to come in uh, under a head coach who might be on the hot seat and have to deal with Zach Wilson. It's like Daryl Bevel. I mean, that's about – we've only heard Daryl Bevel. We've heard the Pats tight ends coach has been floated around. Marcus Brady. So the, the candidate pool right now doesn't seem – um, maybe as, as strong as it could be. So with that in mind, if the Jets hire him, do you think it's a good move? Or would you be yeah. happy if you're a Jets fan? Compared to those candidates, yeah, I would be happy <laughs> compared to those guys. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, all those guys, I mean, I guess Marcus Brady, maybe he could have worked something out. I mean, he has some CFL stuff. I don't know. But uh, it was Daryl Bevel. I just, ugh, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that he's even. I think, I think we're recording that one next. So we'll see what the Daryl Bevel guy has to say. <laughs> I, just, I can't believe he's getting the shot. I mean, I don't know what he's, he's got. He's must have, he must be a great guy, but um, uh, yeah, I think, I think it'd be a good hire compared to those other guys. I mean, if it was like, if you had some, some big other OCs that maybe have a chance or something like that, I would say it was more of a mid hire, but um, I mean, for what, you know, I mean, they, they still are a defensive team. 
And, you know, I think he'd be a pretty good hire. I'm not going to say he'd be the best hire in the world. I'm not going to go out there and try to say, oh, my God, he'd be a home run because it's not going to be a home run. Um, but I think he would be a better hire than the, the guys that they have out there right now, just because what he could do for the quarterbacks in the building, just because he's just such a good quarterback coach, in my opinion. I think that's really what's underrated with him, that he can develop quarterbacks. And that's one thing that he will do better than those other guys for sure. Marcus, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You were great. I have to, I have to not fall into the trap that I think I fell in when we did. We did the head coaching candidate series two years ago, and uh, we had a guy come on. And we talked about Pat Fitzgerald, and he was so good that afterwards I was ready for the Jets to hire Pat Fitzgerald. So I have to not fall into that trap, Marcus. Okay. I won't equate Greg Olson with you, but you were awesome. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Because I, I love just following smart football minds. I mean, obviously you post about the Raiders, but you do post a lot about quarterback play and i think uh our, our listeners should definitely go uh, shoot you a follow so where can they find you and and where can they read your stuff uh at the mark john nfl you can find me on twitter there uh for you know all my stuff i do a uh, tape don't lie is my youtube channel so go ahead and check that out i'm uh, really doing all types of you know the raiders need a quarterback so i'm gonna do all types of quarterback stuff there and you know you I want zach wilson do i want <laughs> I appreciate that though. Appreciate that though. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I do a whole bunch of quarterback stuff there, and of course a whole bunch of draft things. So uh, we do definitely we cover the whole draft. You know, I, I go out to the combine, and so you know, definitely check that out. So you know, we we grind that out. So awesome. check that out there for tape. Don't lie. And of course, uh, Silver and Black Pride SB Nation. And then you know, I do I got a quarterback podcast. I do called a uh, little pocket awareness. So uh, check that out too. Um, so yeah, it was all the places you can find me. Is it is it a little pocket awareness or is it little pocket awareness? Because if it's little pocket awareness, Zach Wilson would be a great guest for you guys. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a little pocket awareness. Okay, so, all right, then yeah. it wouldn't. Yeah, it doesn't work then. <laughs> all right, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you were great. Um, all right, uh, that's Greg Olson, everybody. What do you let us know what you think? Tweet us at CYJ Pod. Comment in the YouTube uh, comments below. Greg Olson, next Jets offensive coordinator. We'll see. <laughs>